So with my sincere apologies to at least those under 30, and maybe it should be 40, I was listening to a, for a, a, a oldies radio station this week, and one of Jim Croce's songs was on Operator. You might remember that. <clears throat> and uh, it's really about this guy trying to make a, a call to his, his lover, you know, his girlfriend. And uh, he's kind of all balled up. He has this conversation with the operator. And I was listening to the song, and I thought, most of the things in this song, kids nowadays have no concept of what it was. So first of all, what's an operator? And then he said, uh, the number on the matchbook is old and faded. We don't even know what a matchbook is. They have a hard time getting the candles lit here a lot of times with the guns, you know. And then at the end he says, you can keep the dime. I mean, these are just things that are totally out of our existence now. But I don't think that we are really in much better shape when that kind of a call than God's call in our lives nowadays. I think that we, we still, uh, there's a kind of a gap between using the words and understanding what they mean. So last week we had the call. So we had Samuel who was sleeping in the temple and, and God called him three times and then finally said, here I am, your sermon is listening. And then we had uh, Jesus beginning to call disciples in the gospel last week. And that continues this week with this first reading from Jonah. So you know the Jonah story. It's one of the favorite ones that kids have. So God had a job for Jonah. Jonah said, I ain't doing this. So he hopped on a boat, went on a cruise. And uh, as soon as he got on the boat, the weather got terrible. And the crew said, you know, everything was fine until you showed up. So they threw him over the edge. And a whale came along and swallowed him up. And then the whale got indigestion and uh, puked him up on the shore. And he said, OK, I'll do this. And so he, he goes out spreading the good news, but he didn't want to do it. Not only was he mad at God, he didn't want to do this, but secondly, he hated the Ninevites. He thought they don't deserve any, any of God's grace, but he begrudgingly went into the city and he was only a little ways into the city and they were all repenting and miracles were happening. I'm sure he wasn't happy about that either. We can be unwilling responders to God's call sometimes. Well, then in the gospel today, we've got this uh, great story about Jesus uh, calling the disciples. And one of the things that maybe fails on us is that in Jesus' day, these fishermen, this was their livelihood, and so they spent a lot of time with their nets. That was their most important investment. And so they were always washing them out. They were mending them to make sure that they, they could catch the maximum amount of fish. And so when Jesus came along and, and called them uh, and then said to them, uh, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm sure they didn't have a clue what that meant. But they, they, they left their livelihood. They left the most valuable stuff they had. And then he went a little bit further, James and John, and, uh, and called them. And they left not only their, their boat and the nets, but they left their dad. So they left everything. And they said they followed him immediately. So what does that have to do with you and me at this time in history? So... Do you feel that God calls you? He does. As long as you're on this side of the sod, God's calling you. So even if you're married, you have other kind of a life choice that you've made, God continues to call you, huh? And so that still happens in our lives. But I think that these readings really help us to understand what the nature of call is. And that's something that we can do all the time. The first thing is this. God calls everybody. Period. God even calls people who don't believe in God. He still calls them. He's very indiscriminate with the call, with the invitation. So he calls everybody. So people sometimes write themselves off and say, well, I'm not that good, or, or I need to get holier, or I need to clean my act up before God. No. God just calls us. He calls everybody. 
Second thing is, and this is one that a lot of times people get mixed up with, is that we don't need to go searching for him. God comes to us in the middle of wherever we're at, whatever our life situation is. If you've got trouble in your marriage, if you're in financial trouble, if you don't know what's going on in life, if you've got other challenges, your kids are driving you crazy. That doesn't happen in this parish, but it does in the other four. Um, God, calls, God, God comes to us in the middle of where we're at. We don't have to get scrubbed up. We don't have to go to a guru. We don't have to go on a retreat to figure that out. God comes to us in our life experience. The third thing is, is that Jesus doesn't say to us, now I want you to understand this theological concept, or I want you to learn this, or I want you to figure this out. He never says that. All he says is, follow me. He works out the details. He works out the details, and he says, repent and believe. Do you know what the word repent means? We're going to hear a lot of it from Ash Wednesday on. It's pretty simple. Change your mind. Change your heart. That's what it means. And so if we're people who are kind of dead set on, by God, nobody's going to tell me what to do, and nobody's going to change my opinion on this, we need to repent. And so... But we don't have to work at that because if we're following God, those things happen naturally. They happen to us naturally. And the fourth point is this. When Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, it was another way of saying, if you follow me, your life will never be the same, period. Your life will never be the same. And so you will have, find yourself having more patience, and more compassion than you ever thought you had. You'll have yourself finding more understanding of things than you ever thought you had. You'll find yourself stronger and more at peace than you ever were. But the clue is, is you can't just do it a little bit. We are kind of into uh, slicing and dicing. And when it says that the, that the apostles left their nets immediately, it reminds us that God is not concerned about the past. Scriptures have a lot of examples of that. Though your skin sins be like scarlet, they are forgiven. He really doesn't tell us about the future. He really says it's what happens in the here and now that I'm concerned about. That's the most important thing is what are you doing now? Not, oh, I can't do this. I was terrible in the past. I have all these sins. I have all these mistakes. Or, boy, I need to work on this and I need to be like this. No. <clears throat> Where are you now? How am I responding to that call now? And the thing of it is, is that you and I, if we're listening to God, if we're, if we're listening to the call, we have to respond to that call thousands of times in our lives. It's not like it just happens once. I've accepted Jesus as my personal savior, period. No, you've got to do it every day. Those of you who were married and you said, I do, you didn't say, I do. Well, she knows I love her. I don't need to tell her now. We're already married. No, you need to do it every day. It needs to be a constant thing in your life, okay? So if repenting is changing our lives, changing our hearts, changing our minds, we have to do that a lot. But if we never do it once, we can't repeat it. We need to start someplace. So the response is for everything in our lives. And I think what gets us in trouble and really what frustrates us as human beings is when we just do it in one aspect of my life. So today I have on my religious face. And I have it on at 10 o'clock in Edgewood, Iowa. And then I can go back to my regular life. Well, it doesn't work that way. We're the ones that make the divisions. God doesn't do that. 
God wants to be in all parts of our life. So if there's a part of your life that you are uncomfortable having God in, then there's a problem, and it's not with God. So God wants to be a part of your sex life, your financial life, your social life, your life at work, your inner thoughts. God wants to be a part of everything. And if you're not comfortable with some parts of that, then that's one of the nets that drags you down. That's one of the nets that holds you back. God created us. He's not our enemy. He gets a lot of bad press, but he's not our enemy. I think it boils down to this, and I read this this week, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. If you're in love with somebody, the only thing you want is to be loved. That's all you want. It's not about buying me stuff. It's not about, if, if you really love somebody, the only thing that you want back is love. That's what God's like. We're the ones who say you need to do the nine first Fridays, you need to do all these kinds of other external things, which you can do and not really, really give yourself to God. On Ash Wednesday, we're going to hear the reading from the book of the prophet Joel, return to me with your whole heart. What? Heart. That's all God wants. But we would rather make it complicated. And we would rather give up pie. And you can give up pie and not love God anymore. So giving up pie means nothing. God wants love. We make it complicated. We get ourselves into the nets that tangle us up. So Jesus says to us, come. Come as you are. Come where you are. Don't worry about the details. Just come and I promise you, your life will never be the same. And to the extent that you do that, you'll experience that. 